Let me open here to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. If you have your Bibles uh, today or even this week, I encourage you to read this chapter. It's a unique story in which Jesus has just fed 5,000 people. And in fact, it says 5,000 not counting the women and the children. So it could be up to 20,000 people. And I think that's such an interesting picture of that many people. It would probably be not only this, of course, but this whole field just full of people. And they're all hungry. Jesus feeds them all. Later in that same chapter, Jesus said these words, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. That's our passage this morning. Let me begin with prayer, and we'll continue. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. I pray that as we look at your word right now, you would teach us, allow us to grow in our faith, good and strong. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to hear from you. Lord, you've provided us the opportunity this morning to, to read your word, to study, to know you. And I pray, Lord, that our minds and our hearts and our ability to learn from you would be so strong. Please teach us now in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so a uh, year and a half ago, my wife and I attended this conference for pastors. And we were there, and they had all these vendors setting up, and they were doing these giveaways. And so my wife enters to win this Yeti cooler, right? And now I don't enter because I never win those things. It's like a waste of time, and I don't want to be spammed later. But Lynn, she submits her name and information. At the end of the conference, she gets a call, and she answers, and she's like, wow, I won. And I'm like, wow, what'd you win? She's like, well, I didn't win the cooler. I'm thinking, oh, you must have won, like, a water bottle or something. She said, no, I won the grand prize. I won a Traeger Pro Series grill. And we're like, what? And this, if you're not familiar, it's like a $1,000 smoker that's Wi-Fi connected. So I'm like a food line able to check the temperature on that thing, right? And it's an amazing thing. I've used it for all sorts of stuff, from pulled pork to that uh, king salmon I caught in Alaska on our mission trip. Uh, in the summer. Like, we just use it in all sorts of ways, right? It's amazing. I've used, I've loved it, and it's really fun for me because if you don't know this about me, I'm a little bit more of like an artisan cook. Like, I don't just throw it on there. I make it extra fancy. Even when I make the kids chicken nuggets or hot dogs, I find a way to add a little, a little spark into it. So with these, like, fancy meats, sometimes I'll find whatever's on sale at Food Line or Walmart. I'm like, oh, great. I'm going to use that. And so... It's been quite the fun thing to just like feed our family. Now, what's funny about food for me as I think about that is we have this human need to eat and, 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 and we eat throughout the day. So there's all these things in life that you might do once, once a day, once a week, once a year, whatever it is. But when it comes to food, God has built our bodies to need sustenance throughout the day. So several of you probably ate before you came here. Maybe you ate a donut. Maybe you're still eating the donut. And then after the service, you're still going to eat. And we just like, eat, eat, eat. And some of you, you know, like have um, these amazing cr 
abilities to make all sorts of crazy things with food. And I even think it's cool that God gave us taste buds, like the ability to have a preference. You know, some of you like spicy stuff. Some of you like really creative, strange things that nobody really should eat. And we just like, we're all into it. Well, God gave us the ability and the desire and the need to eat food. After Jesus, after he did this miracle of feeding 5,000 people, you know, using the, the five loaves and the bread, he declared these words I just read. I'm going to reread them. John 6, verse 35, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Friends, that's our passage as we think about it this morning, and that's a bold statement. Jesus said to this crowd that he himself would fill their spiritual hunger. Whatever longing they had in their heart, Jesus could meet that need. And he could meet it fully. He could meet it absolutely. And he still does today. They, did not some, they didn't need something in addition to Jesus. Only Jesus himself. And their spiritual appetite would be fully met in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And it was true then, and it's true today. And this is what I get the privilege to teach us through for a little bit this morning. And then we'll continue with the rest of our fun activities. Think about bread. God declares, and he is bread. What a, what a fascinating description. So from this passage, I want to give you five different life-giving truths Maybe all five are going to be super meaningful to you, but maybe there's just one that really stands out, whatever it may be. Five different life-giving truths that we see in John chapter 6. So the first one is this. Jesus declares that he is vital for life by equating himself to bread. Bread is that basic food in the world. People, they can live a very long time consuming just bread and water. And even... If it's not just bread, it could be some sort of bread-like carbohydrate makeup that makes up a lot of the basic foods that people eat in the world today. A lot of the food you're going to eat today could be broken down to some sort of, if it's not bread, it's, you know, bread and it's chemistry. And Jesus claims that he is indispensable to our lives because he is as fundamental as bread is to your stomach. John chapter 6, verses 33 and 34 say this, For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. You know, the most nutritious and satisfactory food is not a meal, but it's a person. It's Jesus Christ. So crucial to our basic needs that he is like bread. All right, so that's the first life-giving truth. Second is this. Jesus is more concerned about their hearts than their stomachs. So the listeners, they were mostly concerned for their physical needs. Jesus had just fed them all, uh, you know, the day before. And so it was the next day. They're like, hey, we're hungry again. Can you feed us again? Well, he wants to address their spiritual needs. Jesus' primary role 2,000 years ago was to provide eternal salvation, not salvation to the society uh, against the Roman Empire, uh, not just healing in different ways because, hey, it's awesome that he did the healings and he did signs, but people still got sick later in life and eventually died. He was there to bring them eternal salvation. John 6, 
verses 26 to 29, this section says this. Jesus is saying these words, Truly, truly, I say it to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which is which the Son of Man will give to you. So they hear this and they say, well, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus said, this is the work of God that you believe in him who has sent. Jesus used the wondrous miracle of feeding the thousands and thousands of people to show a much deeper spiritual truth that they were spiritually starved. And it's far better to have Jesus feed them spiritually, even if their physical body is hungry, than to feed their bellies, but then their heart is still standing before God, guilty. So Jesus longs to meet the deepest needs of their heart and our heart as well. Are you letting him meet the deepest needs of your heart? He is able to do it fully and absolutely, in the same way he was able to feed. And if you read the story, let's see here, John 6, when he feeds all the people... Regarding the fish, it says they ate as much as they wanted. And when it came to the bread, it said there was 12 baskets left over. With Jesus, there is an abundance of food. And when it comes to spiritual sustenance, it is fully and it is absolutely there. The third life-giving truth for you that we see in John chapter 6 is this. Jesus announced his divinity. He announced his divinity. In the book of John, Jesus makes seven different statements where he says, I am something. So this is the first one. He says, I am bread. But then we see in chapter 8, he says, I am the light of the world. In chapter 10, he says, I am the door and I am the shepherd. In chapter 11, when he raised Lazarus, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. In chapter 14, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And then lastly, in John 15, he says, I'm the true vine. Each of these statements intentionally uses that phrase, I am, because it signifies God's covenant name, Yahweh, as it was revealed to Moses at the burning bush in Exodus 3. So by stating I am, and then expounding on each statement with the divine and eternal attributes of God, Jesus reinforced that he was a self-existent one. So our English language, you know, and, and then even our, our ignorance of the Old Testament culture, we don't necessarily pick up on that when we first read it, but the Jews knew exactly what Jesus was claiming and that he was like, saying he is God and that's why they wanted to kill him for blasphemy. In John 6, 51, he says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. Remember, Jesus offered what other men could not offer, right? Moms can make meals. Other men can hunt and butcher it. But Jesus can give a meal that is eternal life. And it was through his own personal sacrifice of his body on the cross for our sin. That is our God. The fourth life-giving truth for you is this. Jesus' food is righteousness above anything else. So let's remember, Jesus was not referring to physical hunger and thirst when he said, I can, I can feed you and, and you'll never be hungry again. We know this because he literally just fed them with this miracle, miracle bread, miracle fish, and they still got hungry again. Their, their physical bodies got hungry. It's a natural part of the order of the human body. 
He's referring in this statement here, when he says, I'm the bread of life, and whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He is referring to our need to satisfy the hunger of being righteous before our God, before our maker. He used the same phrase in his Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 5, verse 6, he said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. You know, throughout human history, people seek to earn favor with God. They strive with all their might to earn their way to heaven. One of the greatest deceptions of Satan over history is that a person can be good enough to get into heaven or that a person on their own righteousness can please God, that their own righteous works can somehow earn some ticket to heaven. And we have this innate desire and this craving, just like the craving of hunger in your stomach. We have a craving to be in right standing with our creator, but we cannot fulfill that on our own, no matter what we do. So the Bible is very clear about this. It says nothing we do can earn our way to heaven because we have all sinned. Also, the only thing our sin earns us is eternal death. But there is one who is righteous in himself, and that's Jesus Christ. We all need a Savior, and there is only one Savior. And it's not you, first of all. And it's not anything else that anybody else claims about that. It's Jesus Christ alone. He and he alone can fulfill our desires in our hearts for righteousness. When Christ died on the cross, he took the sins of mankind upon himself and he made atonement for them. When we place our faith in him, our sins are placed upon Jesus and his righteousness is placed upon us. 2 Corinthians 5 describes this. He uses the word imputation. Our sin is placed upon Christ and his righteousness is placed upon us. And Jesus satisfies our hunger and our thirst for righteousness. John 6, verse 50. So again, chapter 6. Verse 50 says, This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. That's the kind of bread I want to eat. Do you have Christ's righteousness imputed to you or credited to you, credited to your eternal account? If you don't, you stand in debt before God. And it's a debt you cannot pay no matter what you do. And you don't need to pay it because Jesus already did. You know, the conversation about debt is pretty common these days. It's like in the news. It's maybe a conversation you have as a couple or as a family. Think of the debt you might have. It might be credit card debt. It could be school debt or a car or medical, mortgage payments, whatever it may be. How awesome would it be if some billionaire showed up and said, hey, I'm going to write you a check to cover all that debt. Would you take it? Of course you would. You're like, that's awesome. You'd be a fool not to let somebody else cover all that debt. Well, when you have an eternal debt, Jesus has already written this check for you. And he signed that check with his own blood. The work has already been done. It's literally right there for you to take it. The question is, are you going to take it? Fools do not receive the gift that God has given us. The fifth life-giving truth is this, the last one here. Jesus invited his listeners to receive his salvation. Again, John 6, 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life, but then catch these words. He says, whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. That phrase, come to me and believe in me. These are strong words that evoke 
our deepest convictions as people and our deepest actions. Think about this. Drawing near to someone is not incidental. Taking a step towards someone in response to your belief, it demonstrates that person is trustworthy. It shows that you can follow them. It shows that you have reliance upon what they are offering to you. Jesus said, whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And also believing in someone. That doesn't happen by accident. That's not a flippant decision. It's a very very powerful response that you have as a human being. To genuinely and fully believe requires your own free will. You cannot be coerced into belief. The sincerity of your belief, it's a core response of the human heart. We are often convinced by a person's works or their life backing up their words that they're worthy of belief, that they are a person who is true and that their words are true, that they are who they say they are and that they do what they say they will do. And that's who our Savior is foremost. John 6, there's two verses in this. Verse 40 says, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. And then verse 47, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. Whoever believes has eternal life. Friends, in fulfillment of the Heavenly Father's will, our Savior Jesus, He invites everyone to receive from him and it requires us to turn to him and believe in him so like jesus was to the crowd he also wants to be your bread of life he wants to feed you with spiritual nourishment that will finally satisfy the hunger of your heart you know we are all spiritually hungry and we all try to meet that hunger in various ways a common way is religions including even somehow taking our faith that is based upon grace and God's grace for us and turning it into some sort of religious checklist, doing this, not doing that. In addition to religions out there, you have things like chasing after relationships, chasing after success, chasing after beauty, chasing after all sorts of things that fall short. Ecclesiastes 3.11 it says, God has set eternity in the human heart. So as you consider your life, what have you turned to in order to satisfy the eternal craving of your soul? What have you turned to? What have you thought through? What have you given your time, your effort, your money, and all that to try to satisfy this craving of your soul? We have an eternal hunger that can only be met by one thing in the world, and that thing is a person. It's Jesus Christ himself. Physical bread grows stale over time, it gets moldy, but the eternal bread never grows old and never dies. Jesus Christ is alive. So I want to ask, will you receive him today? If you saw in the little hymnals that we handed out to everybody, these these micro pamphlets, inside there on the back there's this there's this box, this checklist kind of a thing to work through. As I thought through our own church family and our community. These three statements stood out to me. And, you know, if I could, if I could break up those uh, who will be here today in kind of three categories, I think we fall into one of these three spots. And it's important to do some personal evaluation on this matter, especially as we think about Jesus being the bread of life. So the first question 
or it's not a question, but the first statement is, you know, those who'd say, I need Jesus Christ to be my Savior. You know, I need to place my faith in Jesus Christ, in Christ alone. The second group of us in here might be those who would say, I need to recommit my life to Jesus Christ. There's all sorts of reasons for that, but maybe you're kind of you know, spiritually growing stale and moldy, like that bread you have in the cabinet. Lastly, some of you'd say, I am fully devoted to Jesus Christ, and you are running the race, not on your own strength, but God is at work within you, and you really are spiritually vibrant. Friends, I'm not sure where you land in there, but I want to give you the opportunity this morning to, to respond to Jesus being your bread of life before, you know, before we stuff our faces with candy and, and sandwiches to allow ourselves to actually ask, am I eating from, from the hand of, of my God? You know, am I receiving Jesus Christ as my bread of life? And if not, you have that opportunity to do so today. So uh, Trenton, if you and the team would lead us uh, re-sing one of these songs, you guys can come on up here. And as they, as they do so, I'm going to ask that you, we would respond in a way that gives you the space to do that. Like, you know, we can talk later in the day. We can always meet during the week. But you are here right now. This is a, this is a sacred moment. We've been praying for so many of you who are here. I'm really thankful you are. And I want to give you the opportunity to have this be a, a God moment in your life where you can experience Jesus Christ, not just what he's done for you, but experience him as your bread of life. And so to do so requires you to respond to him, you know, in faith, full faith. And so uh, to, to assist you with that, uh, we want to provide you like a, a space over here um, near, near where you walked in. We have tables and uh, at, at one of these tables here, we have a whole bunch of Bibles. I got some on top and a bunch underneath. I want to give you this resource. If you'd say, I need a Bible. I believe there's at least 50 people here today who need one of those. Because as I prayed about how many Bibles do we buy, the Lord said, buy 50 of them. I'm like, all right, we're going to have 50 Bibles. So they are our gift to you. Grab one. Use it as your means to know God. But also, I'm going to have our prayer team, have our group leaders who are available. Would you also come on over here this way? our elders and others, to be present, to be able to pray with those who'd say, I need to pray. I need to pray to, to eat of this bread of life. And if you have questions, we got leaders, Leo and others who want to talk with you about that, explain a little more what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. If you say, listen, I want to I want to commit my life to him. I do know what it means to be saved. Um, I am, you know, I, I was, I, I'm a, I've been a Christian for years. I just haven't been walking like it. If that's true for you, you're not alone there either. And today is your opportunity to make the most of the life God has given you and to worship him fully. All right, so let me pray for us. And then we're going to conclude with worship. And as we're singing, I would invite you to just walk on over here and um, allow us to to serve you, to pray with you, and introduce you to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning, and thank you most of all for sending Jesus Christ to be our Savior. He's our bread of life. And Lord, I pray that that, that lesson, that, uh, that truth about who our Savior is, that would really stir in us. And that as we, as we go about our day or our week and we find ourselves kind of hungry and we have that craving in our stomach, maybe even a knot in our stomach, 
because it's been too long since we've eaten a meal. Lord, I pray that you would uh, use that little moment of our physical need to be this reminder for us that you meet our need spiritually and you meet it fully and eternally. God, please allow us to just go deep in this lesson and find ourselves receiving from you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen.